Dave got sacked 11 times. Maybe. Yeah. It was not good. <laughs> what happened, <laughs> Kelly? Where's the pass pro, dude? <laughs> trying. We were trying. I remember getting tossed around a couple times by Billy Lyons out there and uh, literally ragged all off to the side. And we're like, well, we're going to have to try a different technique. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions. I am Coulter Nuanez from 102.9 FM ESPN Missoula. And Grizz Greats is proudly presented by First Security Bank of Missoula and Blackfoot Communications. Grizz Greats is a 25-part podcast series chronicling the 25th anniversary of Montana's run to the 1995 Division I AA football championship. In this Grizz Greats episode, we feature a native Missoulian, Kelly Stensrud, who is a senior running back out of Missoula Hellgate for that 1995 National Championship team. During that 1995 season, Stensrud caught 43 passes for 400 yards and three touchdowns and also rushed for 269 yards and six more scores. Back then, Montana not running the ball very much. No one on the team had more than 70 attempts, which Stensrud did have to lead the Grizzlies that season. And a lot of times the running backs were just an extension of the pass game. We'll get into that with Kelly Stensard. He also had an outstanding high school career at Missoula Hellgate, helping lead the Knights to a state championship game appearance. Without further ado, Kelly Stensard, a Missoula native and a senior running back for the 1995 Montana Grizzlies. Well, happy to be joined on this episode of Grizz Greats here in studio by a man who was a senior on that 95 team and a Missoula born and bred product through the uh, halls of Hellgate High School and the field of Hellgate High School as well. Kelly Stensrud with us. Kelly, thanks so much for being here. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's, it's So uh, we'll start off with a softball. Who'd you vote for? <laughs> Tell everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Just take it right oh, off the rails. Man. No, I'm playing. It is, as we record this, though, election day. So, you know, I thought I'd open with a, with a whiz banger. But when you talk about this 95 team, uh, and and going to the University of Montana, but also being from Missoula. And there's a couple guys who were Missoula guys, particularly from Hellgate, in fact, uh, that uh, that went on to to be Grizzlies. But what was what was the mystique of Montana football for you at that time? Because it hadn't grown certainly nearly as big as it is now or what it became after you guys you know went through. But nonetheless, being in Missoula. Montana athletics, Montana basketball for sure, and Montana football growing. What was it like uh, to you? Is that something that was always in your mind that you wanted to be and to do? Um, I think it was definitely in my mind. I, I think growing up, we um, we didn't. I didn't make it to many football games. Really, I remember going to a few at Dorn Blazer. Um, you know, sat in the end zone a time or two at, in Washington Grizzly early on, but um, didn't actually didn't actually you know have a like a huge a big relationship I guess with the, with the Grizzly football played a little Grizzly football all my life you know growing up yeah but um, yeah so not not a not a huge like correlation with that I guess what do you remember about just the reputation of the Grizz back then because it, it seemed like it was way more of a basketball school like in the late I remember, 70s or the yeah 80s. I remember going to basketball games more than football games mm-hmm. and um, you know I I, I, I guess I don't, I don't have, you know, the reputation of the football at Dornblazer wasn't great as far as I remember anyway. Right. And, uh, but other than that, 
you know, a, a kind of more of a basketball school. I guess. But you loved football. I mean, you played football obviously in high school, and it was something that you were, you know, very good at, and became a Division One running back for a national championship football team. So, what was it about the sport, maybe, that got kind of its hooks in you, even going back, like you said, to Little Grizzly? Um, I don't know. I think we, I think growing up, we just, we just, whatever season it was, that's what we did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we played, and then you know kind of excelled at football a little bit more than the others and that's kind of what drew me to that i guess so. i'm still looking for that sport i've been sampling them and haven't yet excelled in one and so when i do that's what i'm gonna hang this thing up this radio thing i'm gonna go do to some croquet maybe some high lie <laughs> take us through when you first got to hellgate because back then van troxel great coach at missoula hellgate were they still running the option we ran the veer, yeah. So you want to play running back. When you're a kid, you're like, okay, I'm going to be the guy who gets the ball every time. Well, um, so I was a running back in, for the Little Grizzly until I was eighth grader and I was too heavy. And then I had to mm-hmm. get, move on to the line. But uh, at uh, Hellgate, my freshman, sophomore year, I was a quarterback um, because that's, I don't know, I probably saw somebody throw the ball and that's where I got stuck. So, And then moved, played running back my junior year and did well and then obviously that's what i did my senior year as well so when it came to you know going to the university of montana uh you you said like hey man like i remember football games and stuff like that but it wasn't like i was like this is this is the path i i'm here to be a grizzly for life and and that which you hear a lot of especially now so what was it about how, how did you get from hellgate few blocks east to the university of montana which seems obvious enough but also into football because that's a major commitment i mean you want to be a d1 athlete in any sport that's that's a major life decision that you make for four or five years um i guess kind of probably my senior had a i mean maybe breakout year you could say on my junior year in high school and then um senior year was another good year and got recruited by you know all the montana schools montana state and university of montana and then i I went on a recruiting trip and kind of was like yeah this is it's pretty cool on the sidelines down here so do you remember which coaches were the main ones recruiting you um so coach reed actually came to my house oh nice um and did like the visit um do you remember that i mean other than the event but do you remember anything about that i don't really remember much about it i remember the like him coming out but not you know the particulars i guess um um bob beers and uh tommy lee were the people who were basically recruited me i played football with bob beers son at Mm. he was the same age as i was so that guy's a hilarious. I mean, what a character. Very, yeah. And he had, yeah, very um, prestigious career and all around the NFL and all everywhere. So. When you were leaving, uh, or, you know, when they were recruiting you, did they say, hey, it's going to be great. We're going to run the veer up here at Montana. We're never <laughs> going to throw the ball. We're just going to hand you the ball 35 times a game. No, I mean, obviously, it's as different an offense as it could possibly be from one to the other. Do you sure, remember, sure. like, were those, were those conversations there, or was it just like, hey, we want you to come play and we'll figure it out, or what was it like? Um, you know, I don't I don't remember a ton about, uh, I, I mean, I knew that they didn't run the veer, that's for sure, but, um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, at that point, I think it was just, you know you're a decent athlete we want you on the team and we'll figure out where 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 everything yeah. fits so. montana state was running the option at that time under earl solmson so did you ever consider the cats um i did go on a recruiting trip over there i 
was interested in architecture, so that kind of hmm. was a could have been a fit. Um, I went and sat down with Salmonson in his office, and they wouldn't tell me what they were going to offer me. But it was kind of a big mystery, and then hmm. I walked out the door and didn't look back. So <laughs> <laughs> came right back home, right to Missoula, Montana. Before we get into your college career, though, you were being humble there. I mean, I'm looking at your statistics from your senior year of high school. 1,577 yards rushing, 8 yards a carry, led the state. Also on a state championship basketball team, too. How much did that just set the stage, having success individually in football, but also having such winning like you did in basketball just for the rest of your athletic career? I mean, is that something that you think you learned, the art of winning? Um, yeah, I think. I mean, I think that's kind of a – I think you can learn the art of winning for sure. I, um, I, I can't say that I was a great basketball player, but I did have the best seats in the house at the state championship game. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's right. So, so um, um, also ran track. Um, and uh, I, like I said, I, I think it was back in the day, everybody just kind of – you didn't specialize like you do today. You mm-hmm. just – everybody – Whatever season it was, that's where you went. So, a lot of people, uh, you know, when they go to college, go out of town, maybe even out of state, and it's a whole new place, a whole new thing. You obviously stayed very close. That said, to my mind, going on to a university campus and becoming a college student, it wouldn't matter if you grew up in the town. It's a whole, it's a revolution. It's a whole new world that sort of opens up when you all of a sudden are maybe living in the dorms. You got roommates, you're somewhat autonomous. And even though maybe you know where the bakery's at and other people don't or something like that. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a completely new thing. The, the, the veil kind of gets pulled back. So what do you remember about that? You know, as a freshman stepping onto campus the first, first time, certainly the football part of it, but, but also just, sort of the life part of it um yeah the uh life part was a little interesting i I still even 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 um being at the dorms i scott spragans was the other running back from great falls that came in that we were neck and neck in the senior year and um so Scott and I would we'd go to my mom's house like every Wednesday night for dinner, you know. Yeah. So that's not that's a little bit. That different. is the nice base touch you get to have for a little lasagna in the midweek, right, right. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, but yeah, kind of a funny story with the uh, with the uh, schooling part. The, my first year we had uh, we were what quarters, so I think there was two football games or something like that before even students were around, and. Um, so I was, you know, from Missoula, from, you know, obviously you think all my schooling was taken care of. When I rolled into campus, I had no classes. I had no, um, it was, it was, it was just kind of funny. I think back at it and, you just know. Just a bunch of free time here just, all of a sudden. Well, I had, I mean, I wasn't registered. Yeah. Uh, and right. I was from Missoula, you know, I, <laughs> and I was like, orientation, what, well, there was an orientation? Or I, what did I miss? <laughs> What do you remember about your specific recruiting class? We've talked to um, a lot of the guys that were part of that junior class that were juniors in 95 that came in together, uh, like Boucher and Kempfert and those guys. But we haven't heard much about the, the class of, of yours. So when you first got to campus, what do you remember about just about the dynamic of that class and the guys that were in it? Um, obviously, we, you know, I, I um, you know, there was Mike Kowalski, Spragans, mm-hmm. um, Manzanares. Eric Simonson, um, you know, all those guys were a lot bigger than I was when I when I rolled into <laughs> on the campus. <laughs> right. um, but 
Yeah, no, Dickinson, obviously the big one. Um, but you didn't know that when you first arrived together, right? When when well, I when, guess the Montana guys probably did though, because yeah, CMR had been him. rolled through for what two years in a row and undefeated, right? Yep, yep. So we played CMR my senior year in Missoula and got rolled. With, <laughs> and um, I remember, you know, having a uh, on a punt return from uh, Manzanares one time. He was the center and the first one down. I was a returner you know, in high school just laid me out. And uh, so I knew of all these guys, all the, all the Montana guys that were, they were coming. And, uh, you know, it was a great group of guys that, that uh, for the most part, everybody stuck, stuck around, everybody made it through. So because you saw Dave Dickinson at a young age, some people, I think that maybe didn't know about Dave. They didn't know what he would become when he first started breaking out. People didn't know that he was going to become this transcendent guy, but it seems to me that some of the guys around Montana kind of knew. Do you remember like your impressions of him the first time you saw him? And when he was fighting for that quarterback job, you probably weren't that surprised that he ended up beating out, you know, Burt Wilberger and everybody else. Right. Yeah. Definitely not surprised. Um, like uh, I've heard, you know, on the stories before, but he was, you know, obviously undersized, didn't look like a quarterback, kind of looked like the, you know, a, a college student more than a, a quarterback. And, uh, um, but listening, but playing against him and obviously being in the same state all the high school career. I mean, he had an amazing career and he was a, you know, awesome competitor, awesome athlete. And, but at the same time, when you show up to, to, to the team for the first time, like just about nobody knows exactly where they're going to fit in and other guys from other states and, uh, you know, upperclassmen being there and that kind of thing. Uh, for you particularly, when you got there, what did you think your chances were of, of being able to work your way into a position where you were a contributor and then obviously eventually a, a starter and a mainstay on that offensive you know, the side of the ball? Um, so my – Freshman year, Tony Rice was a running back, and he was a great running back. Um, um, luckily for me, I guess there was there wasn't many there wasn't much after him. So, so like going into my I redshirted the first year, freshman year he was there, and then the sophomore year there was not a ton of running backs. I guess so. So that kind of worked in my advantage, I guess. So. Learning to play running back in that system, did you have to kind of relearn the position? Because it's distinctly different than being an option veer type running back. Yeah, uh, the veer type, yeah, you're in a three-point stance in the back. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely a different uh, – I, I mean, I feel like the, our position at the university was a fullback, but it was a another receiver basically right. out of the backfield. You know, we ran a ton of screens. Um I feel like the reason I got to play was because I didn't drop the ball and I was a decent blocker. <laughs> Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. So. Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions, is sponsored by First Security Bank and Coulter. While First Security has long been a supporter of the University of Montana and UM Athletics, 
People might be surprised to know how much First Security Bank, in fact, influenced the University of Montana program and the path they were on directly. Back in 1993, the Grizz were on their way to their second ever berth in the Division I AA playoffs. Previously, in 1989, the only other time Montana had made it to the Division I AA playoffs. And at that time, first round home games awarded via a bidding process. And so to help support the Grizz football team, as well as fortify the faith throughout the community of Missoula, Bill Boucher, former president of First Security Bank, stepped up to the table to help the University of Montana guarantee any potential revenue lost for the first round of the playoffs. And of course, that was recouped in a big way as the University of Montana in 1993 then started the first of 17 straight playoff berths. And in 1995, that local optimism was turned into national prominence as Montana made a run all the way to the 1995 National Championship. First Security Bank is proud to sponsor Grizz Greats and this 25-part podcast series commemorating the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions. First Security Bank a proud supporter of Grizz Athletics and the University of Montana. I, w- I want to ask you about that because, I mean, I would guess you caught almost no balls in high school, uh, you know, in, in your position. And people talk about all the time about how hands are one thing, but just learning the art of catching the ball, especially out of the backfield. So how much did you have to work on that? How much came naturally to you? And why do you think that was something that you ended up being very successful in? Um, I think it, I think it, for the most part, kind of came natural for me, um, but obviously different. I mean, co- coming from high school to college is a huge, huge jump. You know, all the film study and reading the defenses and, you know, picking up the blitzes and all that stuff is, you know, night and day difference. But, you know, picking up blitzes, right, you know, pass pro and that. So I, I, I get all that where you got to be able to read a defense and kind of understand where it looks like a blitz might be coming from, being in position and that kind of thing. Okay, you know, you're going to run the play. But also, when you get the ball in your hands, I mean, it's just instinctual, right? Like it's just like you just got to just go, right? I mean, how much of how much how much preparation is there and then how much is there just who who are the dudes that can make plays in a given, you know, in a given moment? Right, I think I'm yeah, I think I mean there's definitely a lot of preparation involved in it, but um you know, being able to catch the ball and have good hands is is a, is one is one part of it. Um but yeah, once once you get the ball in your hands, you turn up field and the way you go. So, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing analyzing the statistics uh because you guys hardly ran the ball uh, in 94-95. I think that yourself, Josh Brandy, you guys both had like 75 carries, but you had like 50 catches though, right? So. Right, yeah. Each of us had like, yeah, split time all the time. I split right. time in, in my senior year with Josh and um, Damon Body before that. And uh, yeah, we had a ton of catches. I mean, it was basically another, they weren't most of the time huge catches, but it was basically a check down little running play is what we ended up doing. So the, the intricacies of that, how important is just the timing, the offensive line play all that sort of stuff because i mean like the screen game we've heard the legends of don reed's screen game you guys had like nfl teams coming to watch you to try to figure out what sort of things don reed was doing in the screen game so just take us through a screenplay developing in those days um yeah i feel like like it's a little different than it is today i don't know if the defenses are faster or or what but the screens in our era were i mean they were awesome they were i mean we ran little uh, 
running back screens. I mean, the running back was part of all, almost all of the screens, like as one of the outlets. And uh, um, it, I, I don't know if uh, I think, like I said, the defense is maybe faster now, or I, I don't know. You don't see them like the, they don't see the screen game. You see screens now and again, but not not as not like you did in the '90s, I guess. And when you look at the the offensive line play too, I mean that's the most interesting part to me is those guys were big guys to be sure, but it's it's not like it is now where everybody wants these 310, 315 pounders like guys like Kempert and Ag like they're huge, but they can run. They're 280 pounds with great athletes get out in front of you and stuff like that. I mean, how key do you think the athleticism of the offensive line was to operate that system? Oh, I think it's a yeah a big. A, you know, huge key. Um, like you said, Kemfort and Ag, um, Zalek, Jeff Zalek. I mean, all those guys were amazing athletes. You know, um, they they. I don't know about uh, if they ever felt bad about not running the ball them with their running backs, but uh, I guess not when you score as many points as we did. It didn't matter. So. <laughs> right. uh, was it fun? Like your role in the offense? Was it fun? Oh yeah, yeah. It was. It was a ton of fun. I mean, you got. Like I said, you know, we caught 40, 50 balls a year and, you know, we had our hands on the ball a lot. So it was, I mean, I think the offense in general is just kind of a high flying, um, fun, entertaining offense for sure. So set the stage for us leading up to 1995. You got 1993 season. You guys have a great year, competitive in the Big Sky Conference, competitive with your rivals. Then it sort of comes to an abrupt end with the Delaware game losing by a point. Do you remember that specific game and how disappointing that loss was? Um, I do remember that game. Um, there was, yeah, there was crazy one point loss, and we were we were playing a running team, which was right. crazy, and that they could keep up with us. And uh, um, you know, I think we, there was a that that team was a great team as well, uh, as well as the '94 team. I mean, I think it kind of, you know, just kind of built on itself a little bit there and uh um yeah that delaware game was crazy it was cold and snowy and just running up and down the field both teams uh as you go through your sophomore and junior season again then in you know in in 94 another great year obviously dave gets hurt kind of late in the season and and you end up uh, running the youngstown state i believe and and but 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 this team continued to progress and I think build and build confidence and just build skill and all that, that stuff. But for you specifically, what was your mentality? I mean, you came to the University of Montana as, as an outstanding player in high school and are developing in your role here. But were you working into a place as a member of the team where you said, hey, we're going to do something special as a team? We're going to do something that's never been done before? Or was it just like, hey, I'm going to sit here and play football, have fun doing it, be as good as I can be and see what happens. Like what was what what do you remember about your perspective about what was possible or even what you thought about what ran through your mind during those years? Yeah, I feel like I feel like the first season that that uh Dave was a quarterback um in 93 was um you know, it was um I, I feel like it was just a uh you know, every, every game kind of built confidence, but you know, there, there's a, it's an inter- interesting, you know, I don't know if other teams had it or not, but I mean, we were in games that we just didn't, you know, we didn't think we could lose. So, yeah. I mean, not that we didn't think we could lose it. We were confident enough that we thought we were going to win regardless. So, 
Well, when it's 50 to 10, I think it's pretty likely you're going to win that game, Kelly. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. <laughs> but there was there was a lot of close games. I mean, there was, you know, we there was a lot of close games that we For played. Sure. And, uh, you know, I think it was a confidence thing with the whole team and with Dave and, you know, that if, you know, we were down against MSU our senior year and there wasn't a, I, there was no way we're losing to those guys, mm-hmm. you know. So it was it was just a – it was just kind of, I mean, I think it all built on itself a little bit, but through the years and through the games. But, you know, I just think it was a, you know, kind of a special team and a, you know, I've, you know, obviously you only get one chance to be on a, on a team. So, you know, I don't know what it was like on a different team. So <laughs> going into your senior year, that class ahead of you had some stars. I mean, Shalom Baker, Scott Guernsey, Scott Gregg was, I mean, a second round draft pick. Were you guys? Was there any worry about replacing those guys? What was the feeling internally going into 1995? Um, I, you know, I mean, obviously there are huge, you know, big holes to fill, but I felt like that, uh, you know, it just kind of was next guy up. Like, I mean, that's why you recruit and why you do all the all the work on the off season. To it's just kind of the next next person up. I mean, I feel like that '94 team was a great team, and we kind of ran you know got cut a little short shorter than we thought and then i think that built on the the 95 team and and you know if we can make it you know that far in 94 we'll see if we can go farther this year so you know that said three seasons sophomore junior senior season for you you have the delaware loss in a, in a great game but you know it's just the way it goes you have an injury to Dave and and run to obviously a very good team in in the postseason, but feel like there is still something out there. Was there any sense of like, man, are are we going to break through? Like, could can we make it to the national championship or something like that? Or what, like sometimes seems like certain teams feel like they have like a weight on their shoulders. I mean, even the Dodgers the last four or five years before they win the World Series this season, people were talking about, well, this is the best team, but are they actually going to do it? And not that that had been foisted upon you guys necessarily, but you're only playing three, four years. So if in the first couple of tries it doesn't happen, you go, well, this is my senior year. If it's not happening now, it ain't happening at all. What Do you, do you recall a pressure from that? Um, I don't think there was a pressure. I think uh, I think that, uh, you know, with Coach Reed, we, you know, set some goals out. Obviously, wanted to win the big sky and make it to the playoffs. I think the, I think the goal – you know, was at first to make it to the playoffs. And then um, the goals in later years was we need to, you know, we don't just want to get there. We want to do something when we get there. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that, you know, once the national championship goal was kind of set out there and, you know, we had a great group of coaches that everybody believed that, that we could get it done. And, um, you know, it obviously takes a lot of luck and a lot of, you know, um, no, I don't know what you should say, but a lot of luck along the way to make what happened happened as well. So you talked about making it to the playoffs. Did you also have goals of hosting playoff games? I know that the last couple of games, quarterfinal, semifinal, you need something to go right in order to get those games to kind of come to you. But uh, was that something where you're like, hey, if we're going to go on a long run, we need to be in Missoula as long as we can be? Well, definitely being on the home field is a huge, huge difference. Um, and I, from what I understand and know now, obviously there was a bid process to start yeah. to, to, you know, so obviously the community believed enough and enough in us to, you know, put up a little money if they had to, to get a home game. So, um, and, and obviously home field advantage, I mean, 
I've heard you guys talk and some of the other interviews about, uh, you know, just like the home field advantage that we had bringing the Southern teams up and all that stuff. And I think the biggest factor was the field was frozen hard as a rock. (laughs) And, you know, we knew what sort, I mean, we wore regular tennis shoes. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we wore turf shoes on the, you know, the other team, they didn't know what to wear. They didn't know what to bring. Right. So that's so interesting. Turf shoes in Washington Grizzly because it's just zero. And everybody else out there oh. in cleats just flying all over all the place. All these kids huh? are so spoiled, man, with the turf. <laughs> I'm telling you, though, man, I remember like in the when you were in Montana high school football, even in the playoffs, it used to be the, the surface, it was like the oh. side of Mount Everest because it was all frozen and jagged. I remember we when Hill and Capital, my sophomore year, we're all wearing our basketball shoes. Because if you have cleats, it's just ice skates. You're oh, just done. The, <laughs> the, the the worst pain I recall from high school was playing in a ranchy <laughs> yeah, stadium yeah, yeah. on like a Saturday morning. Yeah, I think it yeah, was, yeah. but it was. I mean, God knows how cold it was. You know what I mean? And you know, you take a lick, and all of a sudden you can't breathe, and you go, "What the heck just happened here?" Oh, I'm playing on cement that's on right. top of steel right. on top of uh, 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 copper here. <laughs> that's right. But we'll get into the playoff room. But do you have any definitive memories from the regular season? Um. I remember uh, Boise State was a big, big game for us um, after being kind of, you know, getting beat up. And that's the that's the uh, game Dave got hurt down in Boise. Right. And, um, and and that Boise State game was a huge game for us and, and obviously kind of just jumped on them and played really well against them. Um, you know, the Idaho game and the Van- in Vandal Stadium over in the Kibbe Dome, we kind of they kind of jumped up on us and did the same thing to us. Um, How much did that one sting? Um, that was a tough game. That was a, that was a tough loss. Uh, um, but uh, also, I think kind of you know with a loss, you get to kind of reprioritize what's how how things work and how what what we need to do to you know be better. And I think that that definitely helped kind of set the record straight again. I guess is is uh, like right the ship a little bit after that. So. So, uh, you know, fast forward, we know what happened. Blow the doors off basically everybody from that point forward. Had to do the come from behind at Montana State, but did it. And I think won a little by 11 over the Bobcats. Stay there for a second, though. How important was that win? Because at that point, I think Montana had beat Montana State 10 times in a row, or maybe that was the 10th time. That was the the decade of dominance that year. Right, right. We had some shirts that said that. Right, (laughs) right. So important. How many many types of shirts did that 95 team make over their four or five years? I mean, I've seen so many. Like, did somebody get a printing press going on the T-shirts for you guys? Yeah, Yeah, no, that was was an important game. I mean, obviously, that that was, I mean, that game is circled on the schedule every year. Um, and you know, that was a, that was a, that was a big win for sure. But there was, I mean, there was not a question that we, there was no question we were going to win it. I mean, we had, we had to win the game. So, right. From a guy that's your age, it's such an interesting perspective too, because basically you start being able to really pay attention to sports and football and whatever, when you're like eight years old. So the Grizz beat the cats that probably when you were eight or nine years old, and then you grow up in Missoula, watch the Grizz beat the cats. Every year, year in, year out. Now you're playing for the Grizz for five years. You beat them every single year. And then after you graduate, now they keep beating them. So, I mean, how much pride did you take in that? And how much did you guys just revel in the fact that you guys were just untouchable in the rivalry game for 16 straight years? Yeah, that was that was a fun, obviously. Uh, you know, with that, that rivalry is such a big deal. I remember 
after committing to the university, uh, we were up at the Flathead Lake and some people, some friends of ours came over and there was happened to be a bunch of recruits that were going to Montana State and the Montana State kids were really not very nice. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, saying how that was, you know, everything was going to change and this and that. And it was nice to be quiet and not say a whole lot. And then, uh, you know, obviously... 17 years later, 16 years later, that was, that was a fun, fun run. And it is, um, you know, obviously it's very big sense of pride. So you go to Marshall and it's the national championship game and you realize you're playing this road game essentially. And, uh, and you roll out there and you've, again, I mean, we've talked about this, but it rolled absolutely everybody in the playoff run up to that game and scoring a ton of points and then you step on the field, and all of a sudden it is—it's a defensive battle. And particularly when when Montana's got the ball, I mean that that front seven was as big and physical and fast as probably anybody that you'd seen up to that point. I've rewatched this game several times now with Coulter, and that just leaps off the screen to me, especially in the first half when you stepped on the field the first time. You go, "Whoa, this is this is different than what we've seen before." Yeah, I think it was it was definitely a big adjustment. Um, the speed wise, I think you know we were coming off of the frozen turf in Washington Grizzly, playing on their turf that they're used to, and so that was you know advantage for them. Um, yeah, I think I don't know. I think Dave got sacked eleven times. Maybe yeah. it was not good. <laughs> what happened, but, uh, Kelly? Where's the pass pro, dude? You know, we were trying. We were trying. <laughs> I remember getting tossed around a couple times by Billy Lyons out there, and. Uh, <laughs> Like literally ragged all off to the side, and you're like, "Well, that's we're gonna have to try a different technique." This time. <laughs> Do you remember the moments leading up to the game? Because you guys travel across the country, one of the farthest road trips Montana has ever had to take, and I mean, you're playing in Marshall's hometown, home stadium. There's a lot of stories about maybe they were mocking you guys or maybe not being the greatest before the game. So, I mean, do you remember sort of the feeling in the lead up to the actual event? Um, I don't remember a ton about it. Um, obviously, big big road trip across the country. Um, I do remember karaoke night or whatever we had going on. <laughs> Boucher was not into that. He was very salty still about that to this yeah, day. It was, yeah, it was kind of a – yeah, they got up and were singing some songs, and we were kind of like, well – Let's yeah we don't we don't really want to be here anymore. This is like, <laughs> let's go play some football instead. And, and uh, um, what a you know, weird thing were, to say. Hey, we're gonna have the two teams are gonna play each other karaoke. Well, you know with they each do other. this thing now at all bowl games, right? Where everybody goes and they have go kart races yeah, or they uh, have yeah. the thing. And you know, all right, you know, you want to have a part, but I don't know why everybody got to come together and do kumbaya. I mean, we're gonna have a fight tomorrow. Why are we gonna right, sit here right. and try and be buddies today? Yeah. yeah, we don't need to put microphones in everybody's faces. Right, <laughs> right. So the game begins, and obviously Marshall's very athletic, very physically intimidating team. But was there a moment where you realize, hey, we're in the national championship, we can hang in this game? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think. I mean, it started so slowly that we always, you know, we kind of thought, you know, there's, we're going to score points. That's right. what we do, right? We score lots of points. So I don't think there was a, you know, a, you know, I don't think we were necessarily worried about it. But obviously, as the game went on, I mean, there was two pretty good defenses fighting it out. So, um, and you know, you know, we found a few things that worked, and obviously, there was a lot of things that didn't work that day too. So. Um, 
but it was yeah, it was it was it was a battle. The first sure. the first and only time uh, that that Montana fell behind in that game was late in the fourth quarter, which is not ideal. Uh, and you had to put a drive together and did. What do you remember about that? About the execution of it, but even more maybe the 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 mental or emotional state of going. Okay, well this this one we have to have. Um. I was on the field, which I think was better than being off the field watching. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, just, I mean, it just, it, I don't remember feeling, you know, any extra, I mean, there, there was extra pressure, but we had done it many times before and, and it was, we just had to go do it again. There was just one more drive to do. So, um, it almost seemed fitting that, Dave Dickinson and your guys' offense would have the ball in their hands with a chance to win, right? Because he he was the master of that. Right, yeah, very very good at it. Very, you know, he was yeah, probably the best that's been at the university to be able to do that. And uh, like I said, it was – I'm glad I was on the field. I think I would have, you know, chewed my fingernails off had I been on the, on the <laughs> sidelines. So, um. But Andy Larson – Makes the kick. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Communications connect to more. Thirty-nine seconds to go. The defense comes. Now you are on the sideline, but that happens ultimately, right? They try a sixty-what-five-yard field goal or something like that at the very end. Desperation. Game's over, and you're national champion. What do you? What? What were those ensuing moments for you? Um, I, I remember getting out there. We had a, got a hat. Somebody handed me a hat. Yeah, you got to have a hat. Sure. Hat, you know. <laughs> Um, it was, you know, our, our fans came on the field. It was, I don't remember a ton about it. Um, it seemed like it was pretty quick celebration. We went, you know, bigger probably celebration in the locker room once we got back and the trophy and all the, all the good stuff and seeing coach Reed hold the trophy up was pretty, pretty cool. And, um, yeah, it was, I mean, it seemed like we were in and out, you know, and we were all then on the plane back to Missoula. (laughs) Got to ask about coach Reed. How big of an influence did he have just on everything that that team was able to accomplish? You know, I think I think he was, I think he was, uh, you know, I think obviously he was a, a big influence. He was kind of the mastermind behind the scenes. He wasn't, you know, it wasn't in your face, um, you know, coaching wise. He was a little bit. He he liked the uh, he liked the quick kick. So I was I was I was a quick kicker, he, <laughs> he, and so he he I don't know. It was kind of a funny not funny story but uh you know he would grab me and like it's time to quick kick and like you know nobody quick kicks anymore you know there's no (laughs) such thing as a quick kick anymore i don't think but but uh but it worked you know it worked for him and you know i think he let his coaches coach i think he was uh you know i mean he was obviously more of the behind the scenes guy and um you know pretty great way to end your career is to hold the national championship trophy up and I mean, obviously, a great way for the seniors to end their career. There's, you know, most of the time, you end your career on a, a loss. You know, right. regardless if you Pretty had much an everybody. awesome season. Yeah, every, right. I mean, if the best season besides the national champion, you know, you you lose your last game, and 
I got to walk off the field as a, you know, winning. So there's several Missoula guys, well, more than several. There was close to a dozen Missoula guys on that team, but very few that, like you said, this was your last game as a Grizzly. So when you returned to Missoula, Montana, what was that like in the aftermath? Not just that night and the next day, but just for the following weeks, because it must have been so cool for you to represent your hometown like that. Yeah, no, it really was. I mean, the biggest, you know, I, I, I don't remember a ton about, I mean, I get, we got on the plane, came home, and then I remember rolling into the airport, and there was like, all of Missoula felt like it was there, and you're like, right. it's midnight, and what what are what are we what are they doing here, you know? And, um, but yeah, definitely definitely special to have um, you know be a Missoula kid, be a Montana kid, um, and you know it's been you know part of my life since then, I guess. So 25 years, which is a long time. Well, you you, you take those 25 years into consideration, and it adds perspective i think to some extent you see kind of the progression of of the team of the school of the the region and and so forth and so when you do think back about your place that team's place in the history of montana what do you think about is that something that is is something that you reflect on um yeah i mean i yeah reflecting back looking back at it i think it was at the time you know you you're a, what 21 22 year old right, kid right not uh not thinking too hard about anything really <laughs> and um you know looking back i mean i, I think it was it, you know might have been a bigger deal for missoula than it was for the players you know mm-hmm. it was i mean even you know obviously still today it's the you know the first national championship and um you know just a big you know big deal for the town for all of montana i guess but Colter, in 1993, the Grizz football team was looking to host its first playoff game of the decade and just its second season of playoffs in school history. As we know, you got to have some financial backing to guarantee a home game. And former First Security Bank president Bill Boucher stepped up, spearheading a group of local business owners to guarantee that bid for UM Athletics. And that commitment from First Security Bank to UM has never wavered. Bill Boucher, Gordy Fix. Several other business owners around the city of Missoula certainly had a huge influence in stepping up. Certainly some of the first true believers in what Grizz football could become and what they could mean to the Missoula community. Two years later, in 1995, the University of Montana had turned that local optimism into national prominence. The Grizz won the Division I AA National Championship, the first national title in the history of the university. And 25 years later, First Security Bank is still proud to sponsor the Grizzlies. First Security Bank, a presenting sponsor for Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions, a 25-part podcast series remembering that epic 1995 season. First Security Bank, proud sponsor of Grizz Athletics and the University of Montana. The next year, then, you're no longer a part of the team, but they have this great chance to go back and repeat. Do you, do you remember following those guys and rooting them on? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, 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 yeah I remember. I mean, I basically didn't miss another game. It was a little, not not quite as much fun than run out of tunnel. Than, <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. But, um, yeah, well, I mean, they, they had a great team as well and obviously ran into the uh, Randy Moss show and, and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and Marshall that next year. But uh, You uh, born and raised in Missoula, went to the University of Montana, won a national championship, and have stayed in Missoula as well. 
Stensrud cabinets. Do I have this right? Yep. Yep. Tell us about this because you talked or you said earlier you had thought about architecture. How did you get into the uh, the cabinetry business? Well, my dad started. Uh, he was a like a uh, not road construction, but uh, you know construction work and got laid off in the winter time. So then mm. in the so he started building cabinets on the side, I guess, and then all through high school and all through college, I worked for him. Um, we went in partners and built a building kind of out by the airport in 19 or 2001 and um and ever since so man i'm so envious if you ask me to build cabinets on the side i might get <laughs> one done before my death <laughs> you know oh off. my gosh i mean it's 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 absolutely remarkable and that's and so you've been doing that business though for like uh uh i mean almost 20 years then huh partners for 20 years yeah, yeah and so but yeah, I've probably done it thirty years. Yeah, right now. So, yeah. So many guys that we've interviewed and talked to, what, no matter where they're from, if they're not living here, they wish they were. <laughs> that seems to be the defining factor. Everybody yeah. wishes they were in Missoula. It's such a great place to be, such a great place to live. But being a guy that was able to stay here and stay connected to the program, and you know, be sort of evolve into a Grizz fan, you know, a guy that played for the Grizz that now gets to follow the team, has that helped you stay connected to some of your your teammates, or do you hear from guys saying, "Hey, what, what's going on over there with Grizz, the Grizz?" Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, it's. I'm not, you know, I see a lot of the Missoula guys, you yeah. know, Boucher and yep. Andy Larson. He kind of keeps me informed on all the, all the stuff. So. Larson's like the mayor. I said, Larson, how do I get a hold of all these guys? Oh, he says, oh, okay, I got everybody's number. Don't worry. I got every single dude you need to talk to. We got it covered. The, the last thing I want to just ask you, too, is I know that, you know, for your folks and your mom especially, like this was that that season and following, of course, you know, her son playing, playing ball and all that kind of thing was a, a very big deal. What do you remember about about that for her and the the excitement, the thrill of a parent, you know, having this moment with with what you and your team accomplished? Um yeah, I mean I think she was probably the biggest Chris fan there is and uh left I don't know, left some red blanket in Huntington Stadium. Not on purpose, but now it's there. So yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's even a bigger deal that it's that it's there. Um yeah, I mean, I think it, you know all those all the parents and you know got to travel with the team and and uh, you know I think I think my mom actually some people at work like had a fundraiser for her and made sure she had enough money to get down there and mm. and you know and, and uh, watch the game and yeah you know I think it's I think like I said I think the I, you know I think it was more fun for some of the parents than it was for the for the players I think they had a, I think they had a ball you know and. Um, I've got a daughter in Hellgate right now that's not obviously on the football team, but she I got to follow her around a little bit on the golf course this year and so I understand what it's you know the pride and the, yeah. you know all that good stuff of following your kids. So And speaking of pride, pride in the University of Montana, what's your perspective on Grizz football now? Because you you've had a front row seat, you've got to follow it all these years. So uh, last couple years have been very interesting, very transformative. What are your thoughts on the current Grizz? Um, I wish they were playing football. Oh man! But, uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, you know, I you know it was great to see uh, how it come back. Um, my old position coach Brent Pease was he was a running back coach when I was mm-hmm. when I was there. So, you know, he's back. He's been you know all over the country doing awesome things. And um, you know, I think they have a. I think I think 
Bobby can will bring him back to you know the prominence that that he once had here and um you know it's just I think it's such a great tradition that that you know you lose a few games I mean it's you know what we you know lose three games in a season and it's like oh everybody throws their hands up and what's mm-hmm. the deal what's going mm-hmm. on you know mm-hmm. and um I think it'll you know I think the big sky is a little different than it used to be I mean I think it's a lot probably tougher than it used to be um a lot of great teams out there and you know I think that uh that you know as soon as we can play some ball whenever that is in the spring or <laughs> I'm not sure when it's going to be but hopefully they you know seniors get to have their last go just like I had mine so Kelly we appreciate you being here sharing your memories your stories with us uh, excellent and wonderful to uh, catch up with you and 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 uh, and take a walk down memory lane yeah it was great to be here thank you The silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions Podcast Series commemorates Montana's epic run to its first national crown. Now, you have a chance to own a piece of history by purchasing a custom piece of art specifically commissioned to accompanying this epic archiving of history. The one-of-a-kind painting features Hall of Fame quarterback Dave Dickinson, legendary Grizz head coach Don Reed, and Andy Larson, the Helena native who drilled the game-winning kick to lift Montana to a 22-20 victory over Marshall on December 16, 1995. Secure this limited edition work of art while supplies last to ensure no Grizz fan ever forgets that historic moment. To purchase number 195 championship, a one-of-a-kind painting by former Grizz wide receiver Ryan Bagley, visit rbagley3.com or check out grizzgreats.com and click on the link, or you can visit the ESPN Missoula Facebook page for more information. From full-size canvases that are professionally framed to prints, hooded sweatshirts, and t-shirts, don't miss your chance to get this one-of-a-kind painting by a Montana artist for the great people of Montana. Visit rbagley3.com or grizzgreats.com to make your purchase today. Thank you for listening to Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions. Grizz Greats is available on all of your podcasting platforms, whether you use Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Transistor. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share. To find all the Grizz Greats, you can just search Grizz Greats on your platforms, or you can visit grizzgreats.com or 1029ESPN.com and click on the podcast tab. Chris Greats is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications and First Security Bank of Missoula. 